Loud music, heavyweights, strong friends. This is GGPL. Success. We've all heard that word. Chances are you've used that word today already, or at least this week. I use it constantly. But what does that word even mean? Success, they're successful. I want to succeed if you want to succeed. And we all see it, right? All over, whether it's uh, uh, on social media, maybe we have those calendars with the motivational quotes. There's something that we're drawn to about what that actually is, uh, whether it's uh, a measure of, well, I don't want to throw it out and I want to tell you what it is or how you feel. Uh, but before we get into that topic, this is GGPL podcast number one with your host, David Hensler. Uh, what that is, I hit record and then here we are. I'm starting the first one. If you haven't had, had the chance to go back and check out the introduction episode announcing the uh, release of this podcast, which will be weekly. So today is November 13th uh, at the time of this being released. And uh, as I announced in the introduction, which by the way, thank you if you not only listened to it, but if you took the time to send me an email, let me know how the audio quality was. Just let me know that you heard it. And uh, so many of you uh, expressed gratitude for the fact this is going to be out there. And it was very inspiring for me. So Huge shout out. Thank you to you. You know who you are. There are so many of you. And uh, I, do, I do not take that for granted. It meant uh, more than I can express, literally. And I'm pretty sure I responded to every single person that sent an email. And I started thinking, now that this podcast is real, now that it is a thing, and I've sent it out there, and it's being distributed throughout all of the major, you know, Apple podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on Google podcast. Uh, so now it's a real thing. So now I'm going to hold myself to it and it's going to blossom and grow. And uh, I figured out finally the way to record audio uh, remotely. So if you are interested in getting on and contributing to this, usually through the form of an interview, uh, I may even consider like a guest speaker, or a guest host kind of scenario. I want to be unique. I don't want to just go into this doing it the same way and kind of replicate some form of standard that got invented in some play. I want I want this to be unique and, and beneficial to everybody. So if you want to be a part of this, I'm receptive to it because as you very well may know, uh, garage gym powerlifting is a team mindset. It's a community. Uh, it's a shared experience, something that we're all a part of. So you are a part of this podcast just as much as I am here um, talking into my Blue Yeti USB microphone. So as I recorded that introduction and went through a lot of the feedback, I started thinking around where do you even start? Where is the beginning point? And I visualized myself sitting down with you, whomever you are, wherever you are, uh, no matter what stage of life you're in. And regardless of your experience with training, uh, with trials, uh, your exposure to, you know, emotional, um, I guess, struggles, things that uh, I am privy to, things that I've experienced directly, that I was just there, you and I were just having a conversation. And in this context, obviously, there's not going to be a lot of reciprocity, 
uh, I'm not going to hear a response, but ideally you're always welcome to reach out to me and engage on that other half of the conversation. Uh, that'll help me guide the topics into the future about where this wants to go. So the way I'm going to approach this is you and I, we're talking one-on-one. -on -one. I want you to feel like it's me and you. We're having a conversation. I don't have any distractions. I'm not pulling my phone out, putting it between us. You know, I'm not scrolling Instagram and at the same time, you know, not allowing you to have my full attention. So this is an ability for us to connect in some way and not just me, but I'm talking as a whole, uh, as GGPL, as a worldwide community. So if we were to be sitting down and I introduce myself, hey, how's it going? My name is David Hensler. I live in Southern Utah with my wife, Shari. We have uh, five kids. Uh, that itself is a complex story that we could get into at another time. But um, on the initial level, you would know that uh, I'm into powerlifting and we would just go in from there. So let's talk about that basis, right? Because here we are. It's called GGPL Podcast. GGPL is an acronym for Garage Gym Powerlifting. That is a page on Instagram. If you're not on it, go check it out. All one word at Garage Gym Powerlifting. Started a year ago, almost to that day at the time of this release. It was formed in November 2018. And it has grown um, across all borders and languages and cultures and gender. It's international with over 15,000 followers. So get on there, use the hashtags, find the hashtags, and follow those hashtags too. It's all about supporting each other. So let's get into what that even is, right? Because powerlifting in itself is a niche within strength sports. Uh, I am a part of that niche. My wife and I have trained and we built our own garage gym, but everything kind of has that starting point. And that's what that introduction uh, episode kind of got into is kind of catapulting the starting point. So instead of trying to shove everything into uh, a single episode, these are going to be about 30 minutes and I will just kind of build a foundation and go from there. So let's talk about the approach to getting strong. And uh, in the context of this podcast, I'm going to be talking about powerlifting because powerlifting is my experience and that's going to be my uh, perspective. Now, whether or not you are involved in powerlifting is beside the point. There is going to be topics in here that are going to be beneficial to you that can translate to whatever it is that you're pursuing. You could be an endurance athlete. You could be, um, I mean, you could be into like crafts and hobbies, whatever it is, everything's going to take a certain amount of effort, discipline, dedication, and, and a shift in mindset, uh, personal responsibility, accountability, and so on. So I will be speaking from the point of view of a power lifter who trains at home with his wife. However, ideally, I want you to be able to translate and interpret some of these key facets into your own life and your approach to whatever that may be. So uh, stay tuned in. Thank you for being here. We're going to get into this. So today, the thing that kind of came to me was even starting the podcast itself right? Because that, that took some planning. That took uh, some personal, I guess, I had to do a lot of introspection on myself. What are my motivations? What are my expectations? And so on. And so 
within doing this podcast has shot me back to 10 years ago. So I did not even introduce strength training into my life until I was 30 years old. And as I stated in the introduction, I am now 40. And uh, which to most people is an advanced, not advanced, but you know, it's older. Most people are like, hey, I started this new hobby that, you know, most people are getting into in their 20s and uh, with better recovery, better health, so on and so forth. So I got into this at age 30, but even that required a lot of effort and time. And where the heck, did, where do you even get into doing something like that? And uh, myself, I remember having a conversation with somebody saying like, yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, going into the gym and maybe look, and this is a two-year process. So at age 28, I got interested in, hey, I want to put in some muscle because at age 30, I'm walking around. Now I can't give I can't give you the whole context and the whole story. I will give you a brief explanation. At age 28, um, I was emotionally very unhealthy and a very uh bad healthy the whole context of my life was not very healthy. So I was sitting around between 140, 145 pounds. Uh keep in mind I'm five seven, so I was I was pretty thin and uh it was not uncommon for me to only eat once, maybe twice a day. And by eating, that's like quotations. Uh, it was some kind of food. So at age 28, uh, my ex-wife was attending a university and she started uh, studying exercise science. And so, of course, what I did, because uh, I was working nights at the time, when she'd be at school during the day and I was watching our two daughters, um, I started going through all of her textbooks. So I read all of her kinesiology textbooks. And uh, so they're talking about strength. They're talking about, you know, the whole, the physiology, the anatomy of the body um, and the kind of the whole approach and methodology when it comes to strength training. And all this stuff was new. Uh, you know, I grew up in the 80s. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, those kind of guys were, you know, and a little bit of a JCVD, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Those are the guys I kind of looked up to and admired, but it was like this unattainable I'm not sure. I didn't really know what it meant. Like, how do you do that? It has to be more than just lifting weights. There's got to be something to it, right? So either you're born like that, obviously, or you got to work your ass off for it. So I read through all these books and uh, I go to what I knew. So I'm reading these books at age 28. And what do I do? I get on YouTube and I uh, I start watching Pumping Iron. <laughs> so I, so <laughs> it's funny to think about now. So I remember... Between the age of 28 and age 30, uh, I put on pumping iron and I just watch, I just listened to it in the background. And after a while, I mean, literally it was like every single day, I'd, so that's an exaggeration, but you know, when you retell stories, you exaggerate naturally. I'd say at least three times a week, I'd watch pumping iron and I started identifying with Lou Frigno, uh, excuse me, not Lou Frigno with Franco Colombo, rest in peace. Uh, I identify as Franco Colombo and um, Ed. Uh, I can't think of his last name all of a sudden, but Ed and Franco were about my height. And uh, Ed starts with the last name C. Anyways, Ed, I want to say corny, uh, carne or corny. But at the time, so Ed, he, in the in the movie, in the documentary that talks about he was in his 40s at the time, I'm like, man, look at that guy. So I identified with him mostly because of his age. I think he was in his 40s at the time they made that movie, which was in the mid uh, 70s or so. But then I found out like, 
their uh, body size and whatnot. So I'm like, oh, hey, here's these guys. They're about five and a half ish feet tall. That's about my build. So I got these expectations. Hey, if I train, I could probably look like that one day. I could look like Franco, man. Look at those guys. Look at that muscle belly on his biceps. And that dude was like, a, they show videos of him benching, you know, like 455 for like one or two at least, uh, deadlifting 700 pounds. So here I am watching this movie. And at the time, I'm doing like body weight type exercises. So, you know, I got my chin up bar in the doorway and uh, some perfect push up rotating handles. So I'm sitting there thinking, like, obviously, I know I don't eat enough. And uh, I was certainly not going to go and sign up for the gym membership. So I was like, oh, I know, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start doing all this body weight exercises and, and I'm going to get conditioned. And then by the time, you know, my ex at the time, the, when my ex-wife was going to graduate, then I had all these plans. I'm going to join a gym, something that's got a bunch of dumbbells and weight plates and barbells. And I'm going to go and I'm going to figure out how to eat. And I'm going to get a huge and jacked and strong and have this huge, you know, 17, 18 inch arms, and I'm just going to look bigger. Even though I'm only five, seven, I'm going to have this appearance of being enormous. So for two years, that's what I was doing. I was watching pumping iron, getting into my doorway and just doing a bunch of pull-ups and chin-ups. So obviously, even after two years of that, even with trying to quote unquote, eat more food. And, uh, I didn't know anything about that kind of stuff. I mean, like Food, nutrition. I mean, I would buy a dozen eggs and that would last, you know, easily a week. And uh, I couldn't imagine uh, trying to make that last now. So, so at age 30, let's get to the, let's get to the point of the story. So at age 30, my ex-wife and I, uh, we have that conversation. Uh, it was, it was kind of getting built up. It was kind of leading that point. And uh, it's easier to talk to by now, but we did split up. We did go through divorce. And that kind of spun me off into an even darker, more um, destructive emotional place. But it also presented an opportunity for me to take ownership of my life, right? I had to take ownership of uh, taking responsibility for my shortcomings, my downfalls, my mistakes. Um, you know, I kind of had patterned my life and my decisions around blame and, um, you know, just sort of kind of using things in my life as a crutch or the usual things that we all do as humanity. Um, I was not an emotionally aware person. I, I lacked a lot of my, I didn't really know myself very well in the, in the true sense and the essence of my being. And uh, I did not really take ownership of my life. Really. Uh, it was really easy for people to dictate my values, my worth, you know, my ambitions, that kind of thing. So it could be everything from like, Hey, I want to, you know, have this for dinner. And then that could turn into a five or six hour argument or, Hey, I'm going to go out and, you know, <laughs> buy this new shirt, or I'm going to think about getting this car or changing my job or going here, or maybe I'm uh, I'll apply to law school. And so I had, you know, my ex-wife and I were married for nine years and it just created this whole, uh, really unhealthy sphere of issues that just built up and built up and just created this very, very dark, uh, cancerous, um, unhealthy way of being. And it just manifests itself. Like we, it was just, you know, she's a great person. She's a great mother. Uh, she and I have two daughters together. Um, I have no regrets when it comes to that, but I had to, at that point, realize that I could not continue my life in that way 
and live much longer because I had already been in that place where you start having, you know, you start fantasizing about pretty much doing away with yourself. Um, there was a couple of times where, you know, I don't want to get into those kind of topics, but there, there, the opportunity was there, it was presented it and, uh, you know, you have it mapped out. And so I knew, I, I knew I needed to get healthy and my girls, you know, I look into them and I knew that I was just, I had responsibility towards them. So I had to stop being a, a selfish asshole and really take ownership of my life. So the thing I needed to do is I knew I needed to get healthy. Um, I couldn't sit around and blame whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's lack of sleep, whether it's body weight. I mean, there's always so many excuses that I would start using. So when I, uh, on the introduction, I talked about this a little bit, but at age 30, um, that started the whole divorce process. And the next year of my life was just chaos. I ended up moving back home. Uh, you know, I'm in my bedroom that I hadn't been in for 12 years where I graduated high school. And, uh, you know, my parents were gracious enough to let me come back and crash there. Uh, my brother let me, you know, pick up some work with him and it was kind of hit and miss. And it was immediately I knew that amidst all that corpse process, I had two choices. One, to sabotage and fuck up my life like I've been doing for a while because that was that was my the way I patterned my life because uh, I felt like I didn't deserve better. I felt like my life was never going to amount to anything. So I would just purposely screw things up. Um, and uh, we could get into that in another episode. But I almost purposely made unhealthy bad decisions to sabotage my life because uh, that enabled me to make excuses and to justify my lack or my shortcomings or my behavior or my my moodiness or whatever the case may be. There's always that excuse, right? So uh, when we got into the custody situation of family court, and this is in California. So if you've been in California, family court in California is uh, very, very, that's a tumultuous emotional experience. So on September 11th, 2009, that was basically, hey, you got to bring the kids back to the mom and she's going to get custody. And then you guys got to figure this shit out on your own. So once I handed my daughters over um, and I'm completely isolated I have no distractions, right? So it's just me. Um, I don't have kids to attend to, you know, like I'm, I'm on my own. So I had to figure out what the hell am I going to do with myself? I got too much noise in my head and I got too many things going on. I got to start doing something. So my brother introduced me, reintroduced me rather into uh, working out. So I've been watching pumping iron. So I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, I'm going to go in, I'm going to grab this barbell. And, uh, you know, eat some cottage cheese, start eating some steak, find some protein powder, you know, the usual stuff. We all, we all start thinking, I'm sitting there thinking like, all I'm going to do is I got to work out and I'm going to get jacked, right? My delts are going to start looking like uh, coconuts. My chest are gonna, just going to be gigantic. I'm going to have these massive tree trunk quads. And, uh, you know, so I got into it and I started realizing that uh, I had really good responses to it and I started getting stronger. But be before uh, this story is getting a little... Uh, out of context. So let me, well, I started lifting. So that's the point of the story. I started training, but there's something about it that I knew was missing. There's two main things I want to talk about. So one is false expectations and two, um, really bad habits. So I knew that lifting weights was going to get me strong, but I also knew I did not eat enough calories 
to sustain strength training. Um, so that's now that this podcast is two thirds of the way into it already. When you begin strength training or any process in this context is going to be strength training. Uh, but when you start anything, you want to set yourself up for success. So in my experience, once I started training, it was a couple of weeks into it, maybe even a month. I remember thinking like, holy shit, I got to start eating. So the habit I had developed for a long time was I would not eat breakfast. I pretty much would just have coffee. Uh, I would eat eventually around one or two and it was whatever the heck I wanted. Um, and then, you know, I'd plow down a little bit of dinner and that was about it. So like as a whole, it's probably like maybe 1500 calories or, or less. So for lifting weights, I knew that wasn't going to be enough food to maintain or add on any uh, muscle mass. So the first thing I did is I decided to start eating breakfast. That was step one. So something that would be beneficial for everyone is you give yourself a clear-cut attainable goal. The first goal I said was I'm going to eat breakfast. So I went and I got oatmeal, and uh, I didn't want to eat anything else with it. So what I ended up doing is I got some protein powder, and I was like, I'll know what I do because I get up and I don't really want to eat. But if I mix protein powder into my oatmeal, maybe that'll give me some protein in the morning and some extra calories. So instead of saying I'm going to revamp and start eating all this food and start doing all this unfamiliar uh, diet nutrition stuff, I just said I'm going to start with breakfast and I'm going to do it one day at a time until I get to next week. So this this let's just say I started on a Sunday. I said, okay, I got my oatmeal, I got my protein powder, I'm going to put it together, I'm going to eat it. And then the next day when I wake up, I'm going to eat it again. And I didn't think about the rest of the day. Lunch and dinner were a given. But I gave myself uh, the ability to eat breakfast every single day, right? And so then a, a week goes by, and I had the experience of what we can call success, right? So I had breakfast seven days a week. So then now I can say, okay, so now I got breakfast seven days a week. Now I'm going to add a snack because I, ca I, and I didn't calculate my calories yet, but I was thinking more along the lines of macros. So I was only thinking protein at the point. I knew I ate plenty of carbs. Come on, give me a break. If you're not eating healthy, but you're pretty much eating a shit ton of carbs <laughs> anyway. So I, I wasn't worried about carbs. I just want to make sure I was eating enough protein. So then I just added a snack. So now I have oatmeal. I stir with protein powder. And then I would, I think, uh, a portable type snack. So I probably bought like a tiger's milk bar or a balance bar, who knows, some kind of protein bar. I just added that. So then I would have a snack during the day. So then I knew in my brain, I at least had two times a day that I was eating protein set aside specifically. And so then I did that for a week. And then every single week, what I would do is I would just add one little thing. And then those weeks turn into months. And then all of a sudden that pattern starts becoming a, a behavior change. So then my behavior change, then I started seeing different results. So then now I don't weigh 143 pounds. Now I'm getting like 155, 158. And then I got around 160. And then I, and I know that's, that's funny. It's funny to think about now. Uh, but I was like gaining weight because I wanted to get up to that magic number of 175. I'm not a huge person. So at the time, that was a lot of weight to me. Um, now once I got that pattern and that behavior into my life, I started thinking like, well, what if I just start 
paying attention a little bit to the calories. Now, not counting calories, but just like what I'm eating. So then I have breakfast, then I have the snack, I added another snack, and then it just went into I was eating four or five times a day. And it wasn't necessarily I'll eat this and it was like this dogmatic, you know, like religious observation. It was more just like I was consciously feeding myself, fueling my body because I was dedicated to getting uh, my body fueled to train and healed from the training. So, but that was a process of day to day, week to week. And then it took about three months and then eventually it became a habit. Now, if I would have started saying, this is what I'm going to do. I read this book. I saw this guy on Instagram. I watched this YouTube movie. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the grocery store, uh, buy all this food that my body's not used to and buy all these supplements. I don't know anything about, and I'm going to eat all this shit that I've never had in my body because uh, so-and-so does it and it works for them. That's going to present such an overwhelming shift, like a whole paradigm that I, in my experience, I don't feel like that's going to give you any sense of success. There's just way too much um, change in your life. And it seems like the response you would have would be more overwhelming and stressful rather than like, oh, hey, slow transition. You know what I mean? Just like Uh, If you and I were talking, I can't just come in there and overburden you with like, hey, uh, let me get let me summarize 38 fucking years of my life into five minutes. I mean, that's way too much to do. Uh, You got to just small little pieces of it. And that that goes through all areas of our life, like all different avenues that we pursue. If you overwhelm it and you make it so daunting and you try to put it all in there at once. It's just, it's a shock. And you almost get like that sense of paralysis. You can't move. You can't think. You can't process. There's no momentum. You just start sitting there going like, holy shit. Now, now it's become a burden. You know, like, I don't know what this even is, but start with small things. Start with a measurable goal that you know you can change. And so whether or not you've ever even trained that could be the same thing. For me, it was starting to eat. Training was a given. Training was something I wanted to do. But let's say you've never even trained. What would be your first step? So start thinking that. Start processing that. Or let's say you are training, but you want to build your own garage gym. Or let's say you do have a garage gym, but it's very minimal. We all have something we need to formulate. Excuse me. We need a formula to give ourselves small, attainable, measurable goals, because that's going to help us feel successful. Nobody wants to walk away feeling like we didn't measure up to whatever standard we gave ourselves, or maybe we have a perception of others. Uh, But in this context, what I'm talking about, let's say you have a barbell, a 45 and a 25, you only have 185 pounds. But let's say you're a 240 pound dude, Um, that weight is going to be light really fast. So Does that mean you don't do anything or does that mean you can set yourself up for success and start learning a little bit about volume and intensity and maybe just doing a crap ton of work until you can slowly add weights. So you can say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to set aside $10 a week. And at the end of the month, I'll have $40 and I know I could get online and I could find a 45 pound plate for 30 bucks. So every single month I'm going to set aside this money. I'm going to buy a 45 pound plate. And then in six months, you're going to have six extra plates, right? So if you, if you give yourself a timeline, that's realistic, don't feel like you got to go out and 
do everything all at once, whether or not it's it's nutrition, whether or not it's equipment, or whether or not it's pattern behaviors. In my experience, and for most of you, I feel like we can all relate. If it's slow and steady and measurable and attainable, it's just going to give you that opportunity to experience what it's like to be dedication, what it's like to have to be dedicated and to have that discipline and to feel successful. Um, obviously, this topic can go on further. We are nearing the end of that 30 minutes, but I figure like this is a good place to start. So in my experience, I was eating breakfast and then each week just adding a little bit more food. And then within a few months, I was being really mindful of always getting my macros every single time I ate. I didn't count my calories. But every time I eat, I would say fat, carbs, protein. So what am I going to eat for breakfast? I got to make sure I have my fat in there. I have my carbs in there and I have my protein in there. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter where it came from. You know, so there's a lot of fads out there. I'm not going to say good. I'm not going to say a bad, but find something that you can do that is within your budget, within your means and within your reality, something that's attainable, that tastes good, that you want to do. And, um, you know, of course, I'm speaking to food, but that could be anything, right? So you don't need to have a $5,000 rack. You don't need to have a $500 a week personal nutrition budget when you go shopping. Um, and you don't need to overhaul your entire life just to start training. Small, attainable goals to experience because success is a constant form of improvement. So one thing at a time. One week at a time, one day at a time, one rep at a time, small little steps. It sounds a little cliche, but experience that success. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week. We're going to keep adding to this. Um, check out Garage Gym Powerlifting on Instagram. The website is garagegympowerlifting.com. If you have any questions or suggestions, uh, send me an email, david at garagegympowerlifting.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, tune in next week and we're just going to keep rolling with this. All right. Thank you so much.